Welcome to the Anglers Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. And here are your hosts, AC Insiders, Danny Blanford and Vance McCullough. All right, everybody. Welcome back to this edition of the AC Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Blanford, co-host Vance McCullough. And this operation is powered in part by Ranger Boats, Mercury Marine, and our friends that rely on lithium batteries provide us with plenty of juice. With that said, we are a week behind, and I've got to take responsibility for that. And uh, Vance, I got a funny fishing story for you. I am on the backside of my third hospital trip from uh, due to bass fishing. How many times is how many times has bass fishing sent you to the hospital, Vance? Well, I broke my toe bass fishing when I was about thirteen, but my dad was a Vietnam veteran. He didn't believe in no hospitals. He looked at it, told me it was jammed, and I played all football season with it. And nowadays, that toe still won't bend. Okay, but I had to go get a bone chip removed. So, so I did go to. I actually broke a bone bass fishing one one time, you know. Uh, but uh, other than that, um, you know, so I was throwing a shrimp net down here about twenty something years ago in the St. John's River in a backwater and holding them weights in my teeth, and I think I got some uh, some old polluted water in, in in my system, and it gave me a bilateral ear infection. And to this day, I'm deaf in my left ear from that. So I would advise you not to put anything in your mouth that's been in late summer water that might be polluted you got anything like that have you danny <laughs> yeah so uh three trips to the hospital for dan for bass fishing accidents uh, two were hook removals that went beyond the scope of line tricks one because i was little and had been like trying to get it out of a a wild bobcat or something you know and and once because the line trick wasn't going to work and just last week i got to go um for fluid treatment and to your point I have been a line biter since a very early age. I don't take the time to use clippers and I trim my knots and I tie my stuff and I bite my line. And uh, at this point, it was 10 days ago. Uh, my father, my nephew and I went and checked out a new little lake in Kentucky. Neither had been before. Great little fishery surrounded by older camp and uh, I'm gonna guess unregulated septic system type places. And uh, our trip coincided with a fall turnover. And despite my warnings to my young nephew and everybody in the boat not to bite their line or put their hands in their mouth, uh, apparently I did all the above. And uh, I am now recovering from uh, line biting itis. Uh, we're <laughs> still not 100% sure what, but we're sure it was a waterborne illness and uh, under some treatment. Feeling good now, but public service announcement. You've got to be careful out there because you can get sick or in Vance's case, you can go deaf in your left ear. So, uh -huh. uh, yeah, exactly. Well played. <laughs> well played. Hey, uh, but also, I know a lot of people like to treat stuff with just broad spectrum antibiotics anytime you get something in you. You know, some of the old school people. Your doctor told you it was a good thing you did not do that. Explain why. Yeah, so... Uh, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a DIYer, everything from automotive work to boat work to uh, doctor work. And uh, yeah, so when I started feeling bad, I thought, you know, I've got some leftover old antibiotics around here. Maybe I ought to grab a few. And 
for some reason I didn't normally I would, you know, but I think I felt so bad that I was like, man, I don't even want to put anything else in my body. But I went and talked to him when I finally surrendered and realized I needed professional help. I went and talked to him and said, Hey, can you give me a pill? And he said, no. Uh, he said, there are a couple of types of waterborne illnesses that respond poorly to antibiotics and can actually make the situation much, much worse. So to your point, yes, uh, <clears throat> I probably saved myself, uh, some serious trouble by not doing that. And I would encourage people to not do what I've done. You know, um, my guess is a bit my line and, and probably sat around and chewed on a piece, you know, without even thinking about it, uh, despite having seen it and having known, and, you know, and even my background is in water resources. I, you know, I definitely knew better, uh, but I, you know, old habits die hard. And before you and I came on the air, I had to laugh because we were, I was watching the uh, Friends at Strike King sponsor of the college series over at Bassmaster in the bracket. And one of the young anglers during their break there, uh, he's retying, talking to the camera, doing a live broadcast. And I watch him and he runs the line through his mouth. He's doing probably an FG knot of some sort. So he's getting everything all lubed up in his mouth after pulling it out of the lake. And, uh, you know, I do it all the time. And, and when he got done, he did the same thing that I'm known to do. And he, he bit his tag in and then sat there on screen and gave about a five minute interview using a, the tag end of the line that came out of the lake, uh, kind of as a pick, I think for his teeth. So, uh, you're chewing on straw or something, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, and that's what I do. And, and now yeah. I don't know how stupid all that is, but I don't know, maybe somebody can learn from my mistake. So I, I hate to bore hey, you. Here's, here's stupid for you. I probably got you beat the old, uh, you know, you, you used to chase bass around, like I say, the lower St. John's River, and it's tidal influence. Some of those backwaters are pretty, you know, had a history of being polluted and everything towards Jacksonville. But the way I would find, figure out if the water was sweet enough to have bass or if I'm saltwater fishing, let's give me up a handful of it and taste it and you know, spit it back out. Then, okay, can I taste any salt in it? So I'm going to keep running up river. If not, you know, I'm a redneck salinity tester. So, yeah, luckily that, that never really made me sick. But, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> Don't, don't, do the, that, don't do that stuff people that's right insert the dumb ways to die soundtrack here <laughs> <laughs> hey on that note we won't bore people with all of our stupid stupidity that we've gotten into lately we've we're, we're back on air we've got to get guest today who's actually going to do both segments with us uh during our hiatus from the podcast mr brock mosley finally got his first victory after five runner-ups with the uh bassmaster elite series he got his victory over on the sabine uh, anybody that listens to our podcast knows that I love a good grinder and a tough river. So I'm excited to hear about that. And you've had the opportunity to do some filming and work with Brock on some rattle trap stuff. And you told yep. me the guy's a savant and he's willing to stick around and talk rattle traps. So folks, stay tuned. Vance and I are going to get into our winter circle with Brock Mosley. And then we'll back that up with a deep dive talking rattle traps. Stick around. We'll be right back. Since 1968, One Boat Company has stood as the gold standard for quality, performance, innovation, safety, and resale value. Ranger Boats. Ranger's passion for perfection is evident in every boat that leaves our facilities. Whether it's bound for lakes and rivers for fishing and fun, or targeting trophy tuna and blue water. Ceaseless innovation results in top-tier boats that have made Ranger the go-to for tournament anglers and weekenders alike. And the new Z521R and Z520R redefine what a premium bass boat can be. Ranger, still building legends, one at a time. Sportsman's Warehouse is your one-stop convenient place to shop. 
Whether you're into camping, hunting, or fishing, our expert associates can help you find the gear you need. We carry a huge assortment of quality equipment from the best manufacturers in the country and around the world. We have guns, ammo, rods, lures, not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmans.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse, shop one of over 130 locations nationwide and growing. This segment is brought to you by Relyon Lithium Batteries, the power to challenge your limits. All right, guys, welcome back. For this week's winter segment, we're actually going to jump back to an event, I believe, in June. Uh, kind of during our podcast hiatus, Mr. Brock Mosley went down to the Sabine River in Orange, Texas, and uh, won what is usually one of the best grinders of the year. And I know we had a lot of folks that were interested in that event, and now we get a chance to talk with the winner. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome Brock Mosley to the podcast. Brock, welcome. I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a been a crazy year. Well, you know, Matt, normally we get the winner's circle a little fresher, and, and uh, obviously it's been a little while since you had your win. And I was kind of looking through the stats five seconds prior to your victory. I guess it felt like a long time coming, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was telling myself, you know, once the final day arrived, I was like, well, I either want to win or finish third. I don't need to be a six-time runner-up. So uh, it was good to finally punch it through, though. Uh, and, you know, it's – it's kind of everything we always dreamed about. So uh, it was a good week. Did you have any history with the Sabine? Was that a place you thought it could come down and, and happen for you going into it? Or does that just fit your style well, or what? Well, one of my, the previous trip we had there, I finished second to Jason uh, the year he won. Uh, I don't know if you ever go into the event feeling like, oh, you know, I, I feel like a favorite to win or anything, but, you know, I always like the grinders. I like the tough tournaments. It's just kind of what I grew up fishing around home. And uh, it's a Sabine. It's, it's just one of them places where, you know, the mental aspect of, Hey, you know, I, I may only get seven or eight bites a day, but I need to make the most of them. And, you know, if I can get lucky and run into a four pounder, it changes the whole outcome of the tournament. And, you know, it's kind of the way we do here at home. And, uh, you know, it's just real easy for me. You know, it's not necessarily, I guess, breaking down the Sabine. It's just having that mental aspect of, hey, I just – one swing at the bat can change this whole tournament. You mentioned that at home, and, and on the program I talked, you know, I fish in the Midwest on the Ohio River. So watching a Sabine tournament, it's exactly like what you said. You know, you're fishing for that one bite that can make the difference. If you, if you put it in the boat, you can win, and if you break it off, you're probably not going to get to call that mistake. So – Tell us a little bit about your strategy. I think in the beginning, you covered some water to get around better quality, right? And then throughout the course of the event, made some changes? Yeah, you know, during practice, that's just kind of the way I like to go about it is, is fish different areas uh, of the Sabine. You know, it's, you know, you can go 100 miles in any direction. And uh, I like to find the better quality keepers, you know, those pound and a half or better fish. Because, you know, you catch five pound and a half fish and, you know, you you have one two pounder to go with them. Well, you got eight, eight and a half pounds. Well, you're in pretty good shape for the Sabine river. So that's kind of what I try to do. And then, you know, the times I've been there, I've never, um, caught a, I, well, I take that back. I've caught one big, big fish in practice. Um, the very first time I went and I finished 12th that year. Um, but 
I never this time not and the time before when I finished second, I never really caught a big one in practice. And then just so happened in the tournament, I run into, you know, one big bite. You know, um, so it's just like I said earlier, it's one of the things where you just keep keep plugging away, knowing, hey, one bite can change it. I mean, like you said, you're from the Ohio River. And those guys from like Gunnersville or Florida, where they're used to catching big ones, you know, every day, uh, all day long. Um, it, I think it's hard for those guys to kind of get that mental aspect of it of, hey, it's a grinder. You know, they, they really don't know what a true grinder is when you're, you know, you're catching 20 pounds year round uh, on a body of water. So uh, just having that mental preparation is, is a big key, I think, in my opinion. When, when you head into something like that, what's uh, what's a couple of things that are always tied on by Brock Mosley when you know you got that kind of event ahead of you? Well, you know, I don't, I'm not one that gets real fancy um, with my baits. You know, I, I caught a lot of my fish that week on the old school pop bar. Um, you know, that's just a bait that always seems to get bites when it's tough. Um, I caught a lot of fish that week on a four inch Cinco. Um, you know, no matter what part of the country you're from, you can always generally get bit on a Cinco. I used the four inch to kind of get a little finessey a little bit on them and it, it, they just seem to like it. I, I try to use baits where I can get a lot of bites. Um, you know, I don't want to go to, you know, your oversized baits and where you may only get one or two bites because you're already fighting to get bites. And it's just, it seems like the more times you can set the hook, your chances are better of catching a better fish. Right. Vance. Uh, yeah. A lot different than what you're, you know, Brock and I are in this particular event. We, we've got something in common. Talk to him. I mean, from your perspective of, of your coverage, a lot different event for a Florida guy to see something like that unfold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd say that you'd be surprised. You go to places like the St. John's river when it's not, you know, on peak. And uh, Florida fishing, especially the back half after the spawn, can get really difficult. You see all the, I mean, social media, right? All the glamour shots and all the stuff. There are days when we struggle here, too. But, you know, you struggle here versus struggle where you're from, Dandy, or say Orange, Texas. That's a different thing. And we've got some little ponds around here that I'll go to because I know there's nothing over three pounds in them. And I just want to see how the other half lives and how hard it is to yeah, you know, what What am I going to throw? How am I going to, you know, I get to throw some spinning gear here and there, right? So <laughs> I, I enjoy watching the grinder tournament. Honestly, it's kind of like a pitcher's duel of baseball, I think, you know, to me. You know, yeah, to and you know, the Sabine is not a – it's not like the Sabine River don't have fish. You catch a, bun, a, a bunch of fish. Numbers generally isn't that big of an issue. It's just the quality of fish. You know, you get on those places um, – where a hurricane comes in, you know, every other year. Well, a hurricane pushes salt water up into the freshwater areas and then you have a fish kill. And that's the reason, one of the main reasons why you don't see a lot of big fish like you do other places. Cause you know, when you have that tidal system, the, the fish kill is, is a real threat, you know, every year there. So the fish don't have time to get big, but it's not like you're not gonna go and not get bites. You're gonna catch a bunch of fish. I mean. Um, you know, some days I probably caught 30 fish a day. It's just, you know, finding those little bit, you know, heavier keepers is the main deal. No, I was just going to say philosophically, it's, it's kind of, it makes me wonder. You hear people say things like, you got to learn how to win. You got to learn how to go for the win and propel yourself and say top five into to a win. And anyway, you hear people say you got to learn how to win. 
Brock, in your experience, what's the difference in going from, say, second place to actually winning the tournament? Is there anything to that? I really don't know if I did anything. You know what? I, I just – I don't know if I did anything different, more or less. You know, um, you know, I, after each – you know, after several second-place finishes, um, I just kept telling myself, well, you know, you keep putting yourself in position. One day it's going to happen. So, so uh, luckily, Sabine, I kind of – put some space between myself and the rest of the field going into day three or day four. And, you know, I knew I was going to get bites and I knew that, you know, if I went out and caught, you know, nine or 10 pounds that those guys would have to beat me. Uh, so that's what I did. You know, I didn't want to lose it. And, uh, you know, I just want to go out there and do my part. So, you know, other times I've, I've gone out with a lead on day morning to day four and I've had, you know, ounce, leads you know two or three ounces and i don't even know if you can kind of call that a lead you know uh like last year at chickamauga i think i went out at day four with a four ounce lead over second and third uh you know a place where we're all catching 19 20 pounds every day well you know that's not <laughs> much of a lead there but uh you know i think on sabine i went out with a three pound lead over second and five pounds over third so i was kind of really calm you know i really didn't you know, have a whole lot of pressure, especially, you know, as quick as I was catching a limit every day, I was like, okay, you know, one big bike, it kind of ended early, but uh, never really got that big bike the final day, but I still ended up with a really solid bag uh, for the Sabine River, you know, the final day. Now that you've, uh, you got that win under your belt and you've had a few months for it to soak in, is it, does it feel any different? Has it, does it make you relax more in, in the boat at all? Or is it fired you up more? You know, once we got, you know, after the Sabine River, we had like a six-week break. And, you know, by the end of six weeks, I'm ready to get back to fishing. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, it's not like something I think about every day. You know, I, I just kind of went about like I normally do, put my head down. And, you know, every year the goal is to make the classic. And, you know, I, I just kept working toward my goal, you know, uh, just – I don't know if I – people, you hear guys now go say they go down swinging. You know, I really don't know how to do that. <laughs> I just go out there and catch whatever I can catch. You know, uh, I always try to make, you know, a game plan in case, you know, if I need a keeper or something, you know, with an hour left, I can go do that. You know, I, I, I try to be smart and not, you know, be one of those that says, well, I went down swinging. You know, I was going out there fishing for big ones. Well, I just fish for whatever I can catch. I catch right. what I catch. <laughs> Uh, it hadn't felt real different. You know, it kind of took, you know, I felt like a weight was off my shoulders and it was pretty cool going into ICAST, you know, went into elite uh, right before ICAST and, you know, kind of seeing the whole industry, you know, was pulling for me. It was pretty cool. Right. Right. Now you're talking about that, you know, we're talking about last year's events. You've had a little bit of downtime. Obviously you've seen the schedule. Uh, what jumped out at you? What, what's 24 looking like for you? Are you excited? <sighs> You know, um, it seems like the longer I do this, this will be my ninth season. It's just, you know, a schedule is kind of a schedule now. It is what it is. You know, you, I've learned that, you know, the ones you look forward to, those seem like the ones you don't do very well in. Um, you know, I, it is kind of a unique schedule, you know, not starting in Florida this year, starting at Toledo Bend and, and Fork and uh, – you know, then going to Florida in April, I've never fished Florida past March. So I don't know, you know, it's all going to be kind of new. So, uh, 
that's kind of refreshing about it. And then, you know, of course, I always love going to going to New York in the summertime when it's so hot down here, you, it's too miserable to go fishing. You go up there where it's cooler weather and you catch a bunch of fish is always a good time. So uh, I don't have really one circled on my, on the calendar next year. It's just, I'm going to, uh, once, you know, I get a new boat and get everything, get ready, you know, start getting ready for next season in January, I'll go do some pre-fishing as I'm a big believer in putting your time in working. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't, I don't want to be one to come up short on a goal because I didn't put my time in. So uh, it's going to be kind of interesting, you know, fresh new start. You know, like I said, usually we're in Florida. We're not this go around. So uh, be kind of fun. Yeah, I know, Vance, we've talked about that some. What are your thoughts on going down to Florida in April and and being on in, you know, in Texas in February, flipping that around? What do you think as a guy that lives down there? Well, first of all, I find it hard to believe that uh, Brock Mosley just went on Orange and Texas and decided about going north an hour or two and uh, starting on Toledo Bend there and uh, maybe do the same thing, but just with bigger fish and a, a rattle trap or a red rattle trap or something. I don't know. That's, that's supposed to be the thing. I guess on the Texas side, maybe on the Louisiana side, you throw a gold rattle trap. I don't know. You know, Toledo Bend. But uh, Florida is going to be fun. In April, I think Florida is going to be fun. Be a lot more stuff in play. Don't believe a word from anybody that says sight fishing won't still be a big deal. It will. Uh, they spawn down here until May. Um, and we don't have to worry about cold said, fronts. That said, you're going to have a lot. Of, yes, the cold fronts are gone. You got stable weather. You can do whatever you want to do. It's going to open up the, we're going to see what guys are good at. The top water, the flipping bite, the bed fishing, if you want to do it. I think it'll be really cool to give guys more options and maybe we'll see better weights as a result. Um, you, Brock, you got any ideas how you're going to attack it? Anything, any plans? You know, I, I, I told John Cox, uh, I seen him a couple of weeks back and, and told him, you know, I was kind of like, man, what, what do we do in Florida down there and your neck of the woods, you know, in April, he said, oh, it'd be, he said, it'll be better. He said, we, you don't have to worry about cold fronts, which cold fronts always kind of gets me in Florida. You know, I'm, I'm the kind, I don't like to slow down too much. Uh, it's hard mm -hmm. for me. So usually I'm the guy that figures something out in practice and then we'll have an off day and a cold front come through and it just completely change. And I don't change with them enough. So take away the cold fronts. You know, I'm kind of excited about that, about going to Florida. That hits the nail on the head. I think when you find something in practice, I think you're, you're going to have more stable conditions and you can make a more intelligent uh, play. You know what I mean? Whatever you found in practice might actually hold up for you for three or four days in April is, is the big difference in central and North Florida. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys come down here and, and decipher these fisheries. Well, I know you guys hit on it there a little bit on the first part, talking about Texas in the spring too. And we're going to talk traps. Brock, I mean, you fished that area in January and February for a lot of your life, haven't you? So that, that is something you're familiar with and part of it. You know, I haven't been to uh, Toledo Bend or Fort that early. Um, but, you know, watching it, you being a fan of bass fishing tournaments, you know, you keep up with it. It could be one of them deals where we could get to lead a bend and the fork and the fish be spawning, or we could get there and we'd be in the ice storm. It's just right there. It all depends on what kind of winter we have. But, you know, one thing about that time of year, you're always going to have pre-spawn fish no matter what the conditions are. And one of my favorite ways to catch pre-spawn fish is on a rattle trap. So, uh you know, I'm kind of looking forward to that. You know, I love anything I can wind, but, you know, 
when they hit, the, we're on that, when them pre-spawners are on that Bill Lewis rattle trap, it's, it's a fun time. That's cool. And now as a true professional, you teed up our next segment perfectly, Brock. So we appreciate that. Guys, we're going to take a break from talking schedule and talking about the Sabine with Brock, but he's going to stick around. We encourage you to do the same. We come back, we're going to do a deep dive and we're going to get into that Bill Lewis rattle trap with Brock and we're going to learn more than, uh, more than most folks will teach you. So come on back. At Mercury, there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either. Unlimited adrenaline. Unlimited fun. Unlimited weekend. Except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro Access. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. This segment is brought to you by Mercury Marine, encouraging you to go boldly. All right, guys, welcome back. This We're going to get into our deep dive today, and Brock was gracious enough to st stick around, and we are going to pick his brain on the uh, tried-and-true rattle trap. We know it from coast to coast, north to south. Everybody's got a trap or two in their box. Uh, Brock's figured out how to make a lot more money with them than us, so we're going to do a deep dive into it and talk with him. Um, Vance, I know you and Brock have shot some stuff and worked together talking rattle traps and you've got to see it in action. So why don't you guys talk fishing and I'll just make sure I get it recorded for a second. Uh, Tim for, Hey Brock, appreciate you taking some time to, to share your knowledge on, man, one of the greatest old school techniques ever, the Bill Lewis rattle trap. You've, uh, you want some money on that deal. What has that lure especially and that technique what, what has that meant to you and your career over the years and how did you become an aficionado of it the rattle trap like you said is old school and it really goes back to to the pond fishing days when i was a kid i mean you want to catch a bunch of fish in a pond you you tie on a quarter ounce rattle trap i mean that's just that'll catch every fish in there in, in a lot of cases for me it was you know and it it it, it was one always one of them confidence deals from a young age and i just kind of took it with me as i progressed and and into my career and you know i, I i've gotten top tens uh on the quarter ounce rattle trap a couple of years ago on fort loudon fishing water temp that was in the low to mid 40s and i still found fish that were on a shallow two foot flat and they were just choking a quarter ounce rattle trap so uh it was one of them events that was real tough on a lot of people and i was able just to kind of do my thing and still catch a lot of uh quite a few fish on a you know just downsizing to a quarter ounce trap i mean it's just one of them things like i said it's a big confidence thing for me and that's one thing you gotta have is when you fish you know on a higher level is, is confidence in what you're doing and and the rattle trap has always been a big player of mine so if i'm hearing you there's times when people will downshift all the way to finesse techniques, but you could just, you know, throw that quarter ounce trap and still be efficient and cover water. Maybe when other guys have, have slowed down or something, is that true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, like I said, that, that, that one tournament at Fort Loudon several years ago, I mean, the water temp was, you know, 42 to 46 and they were still eating that rattle trap. And I, you know, I was just, able to really just kind of slow roll it, you know, not doing anything special. And they would all of a sudden Rob would just load up and be, a, you know, a good solid keeper on there. 
Now, Fort Loud, not known for having a lot of grass. Was that a grass fight, or is that just we on rocks, or what? What are we targeting there? Because most people associate a trap with grass, like peanut butter and jelly. You know. Yeah, you know it. It's totally not just a grass bait. Then uh, it was on a shallow flat, and I actually kind of go back to my Tennessee River days. It kind of looked like a place on Kentucky Lake in the fall. You know, in the fall, those fish were pushed those bait up real shallow in the back of the bays or on the flats, as shallow as they can get. And it was kind of the same ordeal. I mean, the only reason I found them is because I seen shad in the distance, uh, you know, kind of flickering on the surface way back in the back of this bay. And I just went back there and matched the hatch with that quarter-ounce trap. But, no, you don't just – it's the, the rattle trap's not just a grass deal. I, when it's time for me to cover water, whether it's shallow – clay flats or rock banks you know i always always have a rattle trap tied on now i may have to kind of mess with my retrieve a little bit there's times where i've caught them you know on three quarter inch uh three uh, you know a 45 degree angle bank you know just kind of just yo-yo in my trap back to the boat real slowly i kind of pull up let it go to the bottom pull it back up all the way back to the boat uh it's just one of them deals where you had to play your with your retrieve a little bit, but I've caught them in all types of you know situations, whether it's rock bank, clay uh, clay uh, flats, you know grass, you name it. Um, so it's a real versatile bait. It's not just made for grass. So versatile. We're talking about around the calendar then, because you know a lot of people just as they associate it as a grass lure, they also think of it as a great free spawn lure, which it is. Uh, and then when the fish come back off the beds, uh, you still fish it and throughout the summer, into the fall. I mean, what? how versatile yeah, is mean, a trap? You know, as soon as the, the fish are done spawning, usually you have the shad spawn. And, you know, a lot of lakes around here, I mean, that, you know, the, the trap emphasizes those bait fish perfectly. You know, I luckily, you know, they make – you know, several different sizes where you can use a quarter ounce, you can use a half, a three quarters, whatever you got to use to kind of match the hatch. But, you know, as soon as the fish get through spawning, they get in that shad spawn. I throw it a lot during the shad spawn. You get in the early summer months, I've caught them, you know, on the their first stop headed back to the deep ledges, you know, on a three quarter ounce trap. Uh, it's one of my favorite fall baits. You know, when we get in that true October fall mode, you know, it's fall, it takes October for us. You know, it's still almost 90 degrees here every day right now. When those fish start moving in the back of the bays, like I was talking about earlier on Kentucky Lake and, you know, Pickwick, those type of places, it's a great way for me to cover a lot of water and and find those fish when the fishing stuff in the win in wintertime. I mean, that's to me is one of my favorite times to throw. It's in the wintertime when everybody, I mean, it's famous, the red rattle traps. That's from then, from wintertime into the pre-spawn, everybody loves throwing a rattle, red rattle trap. So uh, it's a really versatile year-round bait. So as I go through the different seasons, go through the different models, what should I think about in terms of rod action, the type of line I'm using, gear ratio, does your setup change? as you go through the seasons or you've just kind of pretty much rock and roll with 14 pound fluorocarbon and a, a seven to one gear ratio or what, what do you do with your gear there? It really, it really depends what I'm fishing. When I'm fishing grass, there's times where I, you know, if I'm fishing, you know, the hair's chain and a bed of hydrilla, you know, there's times where I want 20 pound line on it, you know, on a medium, you know, a, a 
medium heavy rod. So I got enough backbone to yank it out of the grass. And yet I ain't got to worry about my line snapping. And then there's times where, you know, if I'm throwing a quarter ounce trap, I've got it on 12 pound line on a little cranking rod that's flimpy enough because the bite is that subtle. So it's one of them where I kind of have to, whatever I'm fishing, you know, like I said, that's what I kind of go with, with, with my setups. I changed my setups on my traps a pretty good bit. Brock, I got a question regarding retrieve speed. You know, when you talk about winter, you know, I know we've got some, some late fall fishing water temperatures will get into the fifties and, uh, but you mentioned some stuff all the way down into the forties. Talk to us a little bit about that, that winter or cold water setup, because I don't think a lot of our anglers think about a trap in those conditions. How are you fishing it? Is that kind of crawl on the bottom, ticking it, fluttering? Tell me a little bit about how to catch them in real cold water on a trap. You know, there's a lot of people think that a rattle trap is made to be just burning it as fast as you can. And that's, that's not necessarily the case. You know, the colder the water gets, especially once you get, a, like, to me, the magic number is like 48 degrees. Once you get below 48, you kind of have to get a little finessey with them. But, you know, there's times where I just, you know, when that water gets cold, even from 55 down, you know, I, I'll sit there and play with my retrieves. I'll slow it up, whether I'm just slowly yo-yoing it up, you know, just barely kind of just using my rod tip to pull the bait along. Or you feel um, the really you're feeling, probably feeling it though, right? I mean, you can like, a, right. like enough that you're getting some action, I'm, but I'm not, not a lot. I'm not, yeah, I'm not snatching it. I'm just kind of easing it up and using my rod tip to move the bait along. And then there's times where, you know, I'm just a steady, slow retrieve where I'm just feeling it, like you said, kind of tick the bottom. That's one of them deals where you just kind of have to let the fish tell you how they want it. You know, that's, that's, that's the beauty of this sport is every day the fish are in a different mood and you have to figure them out. So uh, you really have to let, when that water gets cold, you have to let the fish kind of tell you how they want that bait. Now, what about too, I think over the years, rattle traps done some different versions with different sounds. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I know there's some, I know there's some competitor one knocker type things and stuff like that, but I think Bill has some different sounds as, as well as a floating variety is if I'm not mistaken, where do some of them other different traps come into play? Or do you, you have know, you noticed anything with sound? You know, there's guys um, that like the knocking traps, you know, that they have. Um, there's guys that like the floating traps. Me, I'm the original. I, I just, I absolutely love the original. Now they come out with one at ICAST that I did a content shoot with this past week. That is the hammer trap. And I fell in love with that bait. Of course, we were catching a bunch of fish. So it was any, you know, when you're catching a bunch of fish, your confidence just rises. But that new hammer trap is, is the real deal. But, you know, it's, it goes back to the whole confidence thing. It's whatever you got confidence in and, and what you feel like those fish may want that day. Trap, is that something sound-based or is that something different in the vibration? Or are you literally well, discuss yet? It's a it's a little bit different design, you know, as far as shape and uh, you know, it's sound. It's it's a little bit of everything, but it they will be in available here in December and uh we can talk more about it when they come out. Uh oh, somebody's under an embargo. So maybe we, we like the scoop, man. We appreciate knowing it's coming. Yeah, man. Uh, what about mods? Any any mods that our, our viewers can do to a rattle trap, or is it just take it out of the, the box and let her rip? It's one of them, one of the few baits where there's no tuning. You just can take it out, tie it on, 
and go to slinging it. Now, I, I will say, you know, about 15 years ago, along with everybody else, I used to love putting a red hook on the front, but mm -hmm. uh, those days have kind of passed. <laughs> it seems like for everybody, you don't really see anybody doing that anymore. But, uh, you know, that's just one of the baits. Like I said, you just you just take it out of the box, tie it on, and go slinging around and uh, just let the fish tell you how they want it. Now, I know it comes with quality hardware anyway, being a Bill Lewis product, but when you wear out that first set of hooks, do you have a preferred replacement treble for that, uh, your, your traps? I'm a trocar guy. You know, I, I, I trocar makes the sharpest hooks. I got holes all in my hands to prove it. But, uh, you know, I like you said, when, you're, when I'm fishing around rocks and stuff where I'm beating it off the bottom, you know, I, I, I keep an eye on my hooks. Rocks will dull your hooks up. But uh, if I'm worried about, you know, fishing grass, unless I just have one of them traps where I've caught probably 50 on it in the last three or four days, I don't really concern about my hooks unless I've been one taking it out. But, uh, you know, if you're fishing hard cover, you got to keep an eye on your hooks. That and make sure that line stays, uh, I guess, Check your line frequently. Do you, do you have to retie off when you're fishing around? I mean, you, I guess that depends on the size of the of the line you're using too, right? Yeah, it does. And I mean, if I'm in Florida where I'm catching a bunch of pike or pickerels, and you know, you, I'm always retying. Uh, none of us want to lose our favorite bait that we're catching. You know, twenty fish a day on. Uh, there's something about that one bait, you know, that we've caught a bunch on. We don't want to lose it, and so you know, keep. Keep an eye on your line. I always just kind of, after I catch one, I kind of rub my hands up the line just to check everything out. But, uh, you know, and check my hooks, and then I'll go back to slinging around. So just, you know, kind of pay attention to that with anything you're throwing. Uh, you know, in terms of color selection and stuff, I'd say about everybody has some version of a red rattle trap in their box. Uh, we all probably have thrown chrome blue, chrome black at some point through childhood to adulthood. Uh, give me your top three colors, Brock. What, do you, what three colors would you recommend somebody have uh, in their box at all times? You know, I'm not one that gets real fancy on colors. And I heard Gerald Swindle say there's only about three colors and solid plastics. Well, I'm kind of the same way with hard baits. You hit it the nail on the head, you know, your Raven Reds. Um, that's going to be by far the mo most popular early in the springtime, you know, your winter months and springtime. My all-time favorite is the chrome blueback. It just mm -hmm. goes back to my pond days. I think I can catch a fish anywhere in the country on a chrome blueback rattle trap. And then, you know, if I don't like the chrome, I'll just go to my, my shad colors. But uh, I don't get real fancy with it. I don't overthink it. Uh, when it's a little colder, you know, water's 60 degrees or below where I'm throwing red. And then all the rest of the time, I'm throwing chrome blueback. There you go. There's a nugget for the, the the listeners. Below 60 and you're red and above it and you're feeding them chrome. You know, and, and I'm sure you've got some like me too. The, the paint's about half beat off some of them chrome ones and they seem to do just fine too with a little bone showing through, don't they? Absolutely. I got a lot that's <laughs> got covered in teeth marks and been beat off of rocks and docks and everything else, missing all the paint, but they still catch fish. There you go, man. Well, look, we're heading into fall fishing. I know a trap will be part of that for us. I think I might slow mine down a little bit as the water cools down and see what we can do with that. But uh, Vance, you got anything you want to dig out of there before we uh, cut Brock loose? I know he's a busy man farming these days, but uh, see if you can pull one more nugget out of him. I got the colors. Well, I'm thinking it's just uh, pretty much like Brock says. It's, it's just keep it simple, rock and roll, trusting the things that have always worked for you. 
that saying, you know, you hate to beat the forward-facing thing to death. Everybody's using that. Have you found a way to use a trap in conjunction with the new electronics? I or actually, is it we just going down the back? I actually caught a few this past week during that uh, during the uh, the uh, deal I had to do with Bill Lewis this week on getting content the content shoot. I caught two or three on live scope with a rattle trap. <laughs> it's just more yeah. or less you just. It's, of course, it's like a video game. I mean, it's all it is. You see the fish, you just try to figure out how to get on the bite. So uh, I was just, I'd pull it in front of them or yank it in front of them, and they would react to it. So uh, it's definitely a tool you can add to the box when you just come to live scoping. Man, if you can't get a reaction with a trap, I mean, you need to go home. All right, that's, that's great. That's yep. a great reaction, mate. Wow. Yeah, it is. Vanji cool dug man. it out there, so you heard it here first. He's working on a prototype forward-facing sonar rattle trap, <laughs> and we and you got the scoop. So, man, you heard it here, folks. That's what that hammer trap folks. is. He didn't want to say it, but that's what the hammer uh -huh. trap is. That's the deal, right? Yep, I think so. I think we finally got it all out of him. But, but all this is uh, all this is unconfirmed, and Brock's denying it. So uh, you know, all speculation at this point, but. In all seriousness, Brock, we know you're busy getting ready for things around the farm there, and, and we appreciate your time. Uh, we appreciate your tips on rattle traps, and uh, congratulations, a belated congratulations on getting that victory over at the Sabine, man. We're, we're real happy for that, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Right on. Well, listen, folks, stick around. Vance and I are going to wrap this thing up. Whether day or night. I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man, join the Stray King team. All you gotta do, tie one on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. This segment is brought to you by Humminbird, Minn Kota, and their One Boat Network. All right, welcome back. Appreciate everybody sticking with us. Vance and I are going to kind of wrap this thing up, but, you know, got a lot of good information there, Vance. Um, I've been a trap guy my whole life, and ironically, Brock's colors are the same ones that I like. Uh, one thing that surprised me was the the, the cold water deal. Um, I typically pick one up when it gets a little warmer because I, I spend more time burning a trap. But uh, obviously, it sounds like there's more to it and maybe learned a little bit there to try as water cools down. What about you? What stood out? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point he makes there about the uh, and the quarter ounce model. You know what I mean? Matching mm -hmm. the hats during the cooler time of the year. And you're going to get a slower fall and that's going to match those temperatures. And I tell you, a trap is something that I've caught saltwater fish on. It's anywhere I've ever gone. It seems like anything that swims will eat a rattle trap. It's, it kind of draws that reaction from them. And. I lost everyone I owned in about 15 minutes down there trying to pull big old Goliath grouper out from the, uh, the phosphate dock in Boca Grande. So saltwater fish will eat them. Bass will eat them. If you're ever in doubt, you can throw, throw a rattle trap till you figure something out. You'll, you'll get some bites. And, and Brock is yeah, certainly you know, a wealth of information on that. You know, we we tried to get some tips and techniques on things he does to soup them up. I bet there's a few little things that he withheld on us there that, you know, that expert level stuff but you know i throw the quarter some i like some of the non-rattle trap things in that size as well the the old cordell rattling spots and some of that you know that those real small baits uh 
those work well in my area. One thing we, we usually do is I usually swap out that front treble on that quarter that you talk about. Uh, I usually leave the stock smaller hook on the back and go up one size on the front when I can get away yeah. with it because that, that's a small bait and they can get it in weird ways where you may not get hooked up. But uh, yeah, no doubt that it's a part of what he does and, you know, different techniques, different line. I, you know, I'm sure a lot of our anglers have done that as well. Uh, I was glad, you know, I like to hear the, the story on his victory. You know, you know, I'm a fan of grinder tournaments and that kind of thing. And man, the mm -hmm. Sabine, to me on the Bassmaster Elite Series, the, the Sabine tournaments were the most easily identifiable for me. What they were going through in orange is what my Midwestern river rats go through day in and day out, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 pound kind of thing. And uh, so I thought that was interesting. I love that tournament. I watched quite a bit of that coverage and uh, I love an event where a four pounder goes a long way, you know? Yeah, certainly. It makes, it makes it exciting. It's kind of like stock car uh, racing where they go from say the super speedways, like Talladega Daytona to Martinsville or somewhere where they're not going to get over 92 miles an hour, but they're going right. to bump and they're going to rub and nobody's ever out of it. It's a little, like they're riding around a football field almost, you know, but it's just, it's really cool. It's all right in front of you. It's going to be a totally different kind of race, but it's really fun in its own way. And I like those, uh, like I said, those tough tournaments where a four pounder is something to really get excited about. And uh, they're usually visual tournaments too. We get to see what they're fishing, what they're throwing at, and you just learn a lot. And I really, you know, like you, I really enjoyed watching the event from Orange, Texas this year. That was, that was great. Yeah, and big fish there. And then, of course, we hit on the schedule a little bit. It looks like this is going to be a good season, uh, 2024. While we're talking Anglers Channel stuff and we've got our, our listeners, you know, we're looking forward to providing more coverage from the events next year through our AC Insider program. Going to have some on-site coverage at not only the Elite Series next year, but the MLF as well. So potentially as many as 25 events being covered by the Anglers Channel through our our friends over at uh, Bass 365 and Ricky Bosford doing some on-site reporting for us. And, yeah. of course, we'll have you out there in the field as well getting some of that. So that's exciting. Uh, you know, I tell you something else. I don't know that you've got to see it yet, but in terms of Angler's Channel stuff that's exciting, I got to see some of your camera work from the Humminbird and Kona Owners Tournament. You know, we all got together down there. at counts Tennessee, yeah. but yeah. that was uh, back in May. And so mm -hmm. the first the first episode of this year's big bat Angler Channel Bass Wrap Up Show is actually highlighting that tournament. So we got to see some fish catches from there, and and I got to preview it. It won't show up until uh, around the holidays on the Discovery Network. But for folks that aren't aware, you know, we're doing more video. You can follow us on YouTube for those things. And after our program airs, you know, those episodes also go to YouTube. But in 2024, I'm excited about the the, the program itself because we're airing on Discovery mm -hmm. now in, in the fourth quarter. And then we're also going to be available on Pursuit during the first quarter as well as the second quarter, three times a week. So, Vance, your mug is going to be in a whole bunch oh. of more households. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody. I apologize. <laughs> I'll tell hey. you what I am excited about, though. And I did. I got, I got to see a preview of the stuff I was able to shoot on Pickwick at the owner's tournament. Uh, very exciting. It came off like I, I hoped it would. You're able to see how to use the electronics. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see, you're looking at the, the latest electronics and, and look at the images and watching a guy on a boat 50 yards away, and we can see what he's fishing. You know what I mean? Again, it yeah. brought that visual aspect of tournament coverage back to it. And that's something I'd like to see. Uh, 
you know, Bass has messed with it a little bit. I know uh, Mancota's on the leading edge there. Been, you know, putting picture in picture so we can watch along with the guy's screen when he's fishing and learn. But I thought that was going to be real educational to our to our uh, our viewers. Uh, you know, you want to learn how to use these electronics. Man, tune in for that episode definitely because it was it was a pretty good tutorial. Yeah, and uh, I believe your boat driver Bill, if I'm not mistaken, he did an awesome yep. job. Yep. Of, yep. of showing you guys we got to see you know what to identify on a broken bluff wall what it looked like mm -hmm. where that extra rock was those kinds of things and and build it an awesome job you know one thing that i had to laugh at um i think bill's the first guy i've seen use a pocket knife for a pointer on a hummingbird yeah. screen yeah yeah <laughs> did you notice that i could you were in the boat with him i don't know that he was actually touching but every time yeah. i'd see that see that knife get close to that screen and you guys are out there on the water bouncing uh, thinking, oh dude we need to buy bill perfect perfect juxtaposition of old-fashioned meets new right yeah oh uh, yeah, absolutely you know, like my granddad point out just on, on the you know yeah on my yeah, touch screen cool. and so the young guy in me was thinking man we need to send bill a stylus for christmas you know, something he can drag on that screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the little pointers like the teachers used to use on the, uh, the mm -hmm. map when they were showing stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. But no, I mean, you know, the, the talk about their their total total boat control with the one boat network, seeing Spotlock and Mega Live and all those things come together. And, you know, not only that, but then to also see what a 19-year-old Cade Surratt win that tournament. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 grand to a young man with a baby that was probably months, a couple months old at most. And yeah. uh, it was cool to see a good tough. guy win one. It sure was. His whole family was there. They were excited, you know, and, and the day before he'd been in the dirt bike accident and all that messes <laughs> leg. I didn't know he was going to get the fish. He goes out, targets one fish, make one catch, comes in, one and done like a sniper. And that was really cool. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Like a sniper, or 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 it goes back to that saying: when it's your day to win, you're just going to win, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But yeah, he did. I, I saw that in the interview. He's like, "No, man, I caught I caught that fish. I didn't catch one before. It. I didn't catch one after it. Uh, mm -hmm. I caught that fish, and I'm taking fifty eight grand home to my new family." So, uh, props to our friends at Hummingbird Minkota on doing that. Uh, be sure to check out the. Angler's Channel Bass Wrap-Up Show this year, Discovery Q4, Pursuit Q1, Pursuit Q2, as well as clips and outtakes on YouTube. So uh, a lot of exciting hey, stuff. Hey, and here's one the thing, too. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about most of the people we interviewed there, their favorite piece of equipment was the, the spot lock. The all threats was the spot lock. So I went out red fishing this weekend. My son and a couple friends of us we were out of the St. John's River on ledges in the St. John's River. There's four boats lined up. You can throw a ball from one to the other. Every one of them had the white long shaft saltwater Ultrex 112 thrust with the uh the spot lock on it. And it's uh we were all just sitting there just wearing out redfish and, and you couldn't hold that spot and do that in that ripping current in 20 the water dropping from 20 to 40 feet. I mean when the tide went it went from seven feet to negative half a foot in six hours. So we got wow. a storm off the coast out here. You couldn't do that without that motor. And my son and his buddy left. And they were like, they, they've tried to fish that spot before. And they were like, we got to go get one of those motors. Well, we're going to put our money together and put put one on the old John boat if we got to. We got to get us get us one of those uh, spot lock enabled Ultrex because it's just really changing the way we fish and what we're able to fish. Yeah. So I think that's, efficiency. That's world. Yeah. And you think about, the, you know, the, the person in the back of the boat 
you know, probably doesn't realize how much time the person in the front of the boat has to focus on navigation. Whereas, like you said, when you're on when you're on that kind of thing and you can just lock it down and you're free to move with your feet, and your arms and your head and, and kind of be in tune to fishing versus having to look down and check on things and run things that that makes a huge difference for sure. And, you know, you bring up a good point. You were out doing saltwater fishing. We got fall fishing. It, it's definitely, it's pervasive, right? I mean, the mapping and everything from Lake Master, I'm sure they, you know, I know it's detailed inshore. I'm assuming the offshore stuff and your intercoastal stuff's just as good. So um, speaking of fishing, you know, I took a look, uh, Strike King just came out with their bait selector for fall fishing the month of October. I took a look at mine and I'm supposed to be throwing a sexy dog and a buzz bait and um spinnerbait that kind of thing and i'm game have you taken a look at yours if you haven't i did take a sneak peek yeah yeah I'm, uh crankbait heavy isn't it it is crankbait heavy i saw uh gravel dogs hybrid hunters which i have been throwing a hybrid hunter junior up here and i gotta say that thing's cool um yeah there's something there's something about the the way that thing pitches and rolls it reminds mm -hmm. me of uh, some of the old wooden, we used to have some old wooden baits called river runs. And there's something yeah. different. It's it's not a wobble like a crankbait. It's a on-off roll is more what I see. But anyways. That's what's going to be fun is when y'all figure out places that aren't grass heavy and you start throwing it, catching them on these you know, rocks and wood. And everybody goes, well, that's supposed to be a grass bait. Kind of like the rattle trap we talked with Brock earlier, right? Right. That's supposed to be a grass bait. That hybrid hunter is going to come in handy so many places. I've caught fish this summer on it just stalled just sitting there when the top water bite wasn't on just rip it mm -hmm. out some grass let's sit there and they would come up and blast it just sitting there so uh but yeah i would imagine so you go down you know most of the state that's got any grass in it harris changed some places down there uh rip it through the last you know well the, the hydrilla probably peaking down here so it's good the hydrilla and then you come over here to st john's river and you throw that gravel dog on some of these bars where we don't have any grass in the river these days right now they're trying to get get it back you know uh, reintroduce it, but it's, there's some pads, but it's an, an offshore shell bar uh, bite up here, so that gravel dog would work very well there. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, people, surprisingly, if you come down here soon, bring you some crankbaits in the fall. You can have a lot of fun with the crankbait down here and cover some water, uh, you know, a little faster than people typically think of, you know, throwing soft plastics down here when it gets slow. I like to pick right. up the pace and go with the crankbait. I'd rather go cover some water and trigger a few bites that way, especially on a river where you have that tide window. You've only got a little water, you know, a little while while the water's moving good, and you've got to get it done pretty quick before the tide changes. You want to cover water, and a crankbait is a great way to do that. I'm surprised. A lot of our stuff is skirted, like I said, buzzbait, spinnerbait, and then, of course, the, uh, the thunder cricket. You know, I do love the tungsten oh, thunder yeah. cricket. Uh, yeah. the, the way they've done that, the head size, you get more weight and, and still can have a compact body, which is important here. My selection was pretty light on crankbaits. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, we are getting into pre primo 3XD season here. That 3XD is a sweet little bait for, you know, 10 foot of water or less, but still steep, steep sides. Uh, I crank a 3XD a lot on the river uh, in the fall heading into winter. So uh, going to be wearing that out, following the bait selector a little bit, but probably straying a little bit as well and, and fishing a little bit of history. Mm -hmm. But we're still a little warm. Uh, that's good for me because I think I'm going to take the boat to the car wash and uh, hot bath and de, you know, decrud it. I don't know where that stuff's living, if it might be living in my boat. 
but I'm going to give it a thorough cleaning, <laughs> a thorough drying, and then uh, the missus and I will be doing some fall fishing this uh, coming few weeks. We've got one more tournament left. What about you? Uh, we will see tournament action pick back up, I guess, in, well, okay, so November. I'm going to fish another little, my next little tournament, November 18th, little kayak tournament, Bassmaster, uh, Bass, Florida Bass Nation kayak tournament. And uh, I've had a lot of fun fishing. I've had a little success this year. won a couple first and second place there. They won't see you these know. on this on this part of it, but you got the, the the big checks back there to prove that you're doing all right on that kayak stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. So uh, you know we're we're still a little bit off and getting really into the tournament swing of things down here, but uh, a little slow right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Brutal slow here. I mean, it's it's terrible, and until the water starts cooling down, it's going to stay terrible, and that's kind of the frustrating thing. Our our year in championship, it's big money, but it won't have a big a big happy Gilmore check like yours. Uh, but me and the missus will be fishing for that in November, which in the Midwest, the first weekend in November, that's the best time to be in the woods with a bow in your hand. And we'll oh, yeah. have, we will have to be out on the river with fishing rods in our hand. But that's usually a decent time to catch some if we get a cool spell. If we don't get a cool spell, it, it's still going to be tough. But, you know, fingers crossed, they'll start grouping up and we can start whacking on them with a, a 3XD and uh, I don't know. Been, I've been known to drag a tube around a little bit too, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you know a thing or two about them tubes, man. I'm a tube slinger from way back, and probably will be. I don't know. We were throwing them when they weren't cool, then they got cool again, and then they're probably getting ready to not be cool. Uh, but we'll still be slinging them. So <laughs> you know. Hey, listen. We had a good. We had a good interview with our guys. You and I got to cover some stuff talking about fall tournaments. Schedule results, as always, anglerschannel.com, your number one resource for all things bass fishing. We've got grassroots, we've got professional, and we've got some of our own content coming out there, folks. So for Vance and I, let's wrap this thing up, put it on the trailer, and Vance will do our best to stay healthy and get back on our every other week schedule. So uh, tight lines to you, my friend, and uh, we'll catch you all on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse. Also brought to you in part by Pro Charging Systems, makers of the Dual Pro Chargers, TH Marine, Trickstep, Toyota Bonus Bucks, Costa Conserve and Compete, and of course, anglerschannel.com, your number one tournament bass fishing resource.